How you guys doing today? Hope you guys are being blessed already. Worship was so powerful. And it's always good to pray for the orphan. The Bible says that that is true religion. Is when you love for the orphan and the widow. You care for them. And so one of the best ways we can do that is is by praying for them. I'm excited for today's word. If you're excited, I don't know, make some noise. Do something. I am excited. You know, we've been going through the core values, the remix. You know, today we got a special guest today as we go through the core values. We got DJ Marky Mark in the back. Ricka, 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 Remix! Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah! Bra, bra. It's core values, the what? What is it? Ricka, Ricka, Remix! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Y'all didn't see that coming, did you? <laughs> DJ Marky Mark you ready to go ready to go he was almost hanging out of the window he was so excited (laughs) if you got your Bibles I want you to open up to Matthew chapter 20 we've been going through the core values in the first three messages core values the Ruka Ruka Remix, right? The first three messages was on what? Be extravagant in. The next message was on freedom is for. And then the last message by Pastor Myungwa was father the what? That's right. And then you can memorize our, our core values by just putting them into three. We've got nine. And so we've already done those. We, we, we just take a word out. We call it extravagant freedom fathers. <laughs> it's easy to remember. The next batch is, is, oh my gosh, I forgot. Faithful anointed punches. So that's faithful in the small things. The anointing flows from the top down and roll with the punches. And then the last is supernatural kingdom dreams. Supernatural is natural. Contend for the kingdom. And my favorite dream big. So today we're going to talk about the fourth core value, and that is to be faithful in the small things. You know, faithfulness is not a topic that everyone likes to hear about. You know, faithfulness is not the sermon that you're going to share with your friend and hashtag. You know, faithfulness and and servanthood is not something that we all like. "Mm, I just can't wait to get up and go hear someone talk to me about faithfulness, about servanthood. Now, if I'm talking about power and revelation and blessing, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be there. But humility, servanthood, faithfulness. You know, no one walks, gets up in the morning. It's like, you know, I just want some more faithfulness today. I just want some more. I just want more servanthood. I want to grow as a servant. Nobody wait. Nobody as a little kid. You know what? What do you want to be when you grow up, Johnny? I want to be a servant. You need to dream bigger. In fact, I want to talk to your parents. Something's wrong with you. 
No one just gets up and talks about how they want to be an awesome servant. That's not what we see on the, on the news. That's not what we see in the magazines. You know, we don't see that on the cover of GQ or Cosmo or whatever. I don't know what y'all be reading, but if you read magazines, magazines already out, you know, out of print, like nobody reads them. Okay. Online TMZ. I don't know. No one, no one does the top 10 tips to be a better servant. The top 10 tips to be more faithful. Nah, it's, it's nothing like that. I don't even want to say what the tips are anymore. But it's not something that we want to talk about. But faithfulness and servanthood is absolutely necessary if we are to achieve greatness in this life and in the age to come. In fact, faithfulness and servanthood is so important because if you want to live a life that is great, you know, when you talk to a child and you ask, what do you want to be when you grow up? Every single one of us, I'm sure, said something great, something that in our minds we saw was achieving greatness to some degree. But if you want greatness, you got to have faithfulness, servanthood. You don't hear that a lot. You don't hear people talk about greatness and, and about being great, but also it being unbelievably connected to being a servant and being faithful in the small things. I want us to look at a passage in, in Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at verses 20 to 28. There's also a parallel passage in Mark chapter 10, verses 35 to 45, but we're going to look here at Matthew 20. And see, the reason we're going to talk about this is because here in this house, we believe that every son and daughter is meant to do great things. We believe that every person that walks through this door, if you have the spirit of the living God inside of you, if you're made in the image of God, God has purposed you for greatness. But we also understand that in order for you to live a life of greatness and sustained greatness, not just a flash or 15 seconds of fame, but something that is sustained, you have to first learn how to be faithful in the small things. And a lot of us, we don't like to hear that. We'll check out, we'll check out immediately, you know. But it's so key. Let's look at this passage. Matthew chapter 20. Verses 20 to 28. I'm just going to read it. I want you to just read along with me in your, with your eyes or whatever. You use your eyes to read. That's right. Um, <laughs> then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him, him meaning Jesus, with her sons. And kneeling before him, she asked him for something. It's really interesting during this time. It's if you look in Mark chapter 10, it's talking about those two sons being James and John, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee. Actually, most scholars believe that that was Mary's sister. So this was Jesus's cousins coming up to him. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I know when my cousins ask me for anything, I always have some suspicion. You know, I grew up with my my two cousins, Joel and Tony, and they were my first cousins, my uncles, my uncle's children. And we grew up like brothers and sisters. But, man, they always seem to get me into all kinds of trouble. Like I learned how to cuss from them. I learned like I didn't I knew I knew nothing about anything. I was just a pure child. <laughs> you know, I was like so 
oh my gosh, I had like an aura and it was like of holiness, you know. But as soon as they showed up, like it was like they, they were like three years old. They had tattoos, smoking cigarettes. Like I was like, this does not look good. But I remember growing up with them. They taught me all kinds of words I did not need to learn. And I would always go back to my mom and my mom was like, boy, go wash the dishes. I'm like, no. She, what did you say? I, I didn't know it was bad. I didn't have enough time to say I didn't know it was bad. She just somehow teleported to over where it was at and smacked me. I was like, dang, mama, you can moonwalk. She was like, usher. She just glided. I mean, my cousins, they got me into all kinds of things like they like I didn't know what cigarettes were until my cousins had them. I'm like, how do you have cigarettes? You're you're five years old. It's like, don't you have to wait like 13 more years? So I know that these cousins approaching Jesus, actually, James and John, they're, they're Jesus's cousins, but they also were two of his most trusted disciples. And so along with Peter, James and John, they were the three in which Jesus shared some of his most intimate details, some of his most intimate secrets. We like to say that, you know, Jesus loves everyone. He has favorites. But no, Jesus, he chose. And he chose those three to be his most trusted. And so he's already shared a lot and, and, and he's already started to foretell his death. Actually, before this passage, he's already told them about his death a third time. And they come up to him cousins not not just them two together but actually they came with their mama i mean like come on that's like ajuma shows up like speaking on behalf of her grown sons (laughs) actually mark doesn't mention mark doesn't mention their mother because during that time she was speaking on behalf of james and john so mark in the book of mark he speaks as if james and john are the ones speaking So if you read it and you're like, wait, is there a lie here? What's going on? No, in the culture, whenever she was speaking exactly what they were going to say, Mark just took her name out altogether. That's a little gangster, but, you know, just so you know. The mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. In Mark 10, it says that that they said, whatever we want you to do, whatever we ask you to do. How many of us ever go up to Jesus and say that, God, we want you to do something for us. Whatever you ask me to do, whatever I ask you to do, God, I want you to do it. We're like afraid God would be like, shut up. (laughs) But the interesting thing is that Jesus turns to him and he says, what do you want? Now, I'm talking about greatness and faithfulness. We got to start right here. We got to start with the fact that when they came up to Jesus and said, Jesus, we want you to do something for us. We want you to do something for us. Jesus did not turn around and say, no, you cannot ask me. No, you cannot come before me. No, Jesus said, what do you want? That's because Jesus actually cares about our wants. Jesus actually cares about our desires. So many of us have grown up in churches where they've told you, don't ask God for anything. Don't ask him for money. Don't ask him for your career. Don't ask him for greatness. Who don't ask for greatness. But she walks up to Jesus. He, he should have known. He probably knew something was up because James and John are standing behind their mom. Like, mama, you go do it. You go talk to them. <laughs> no, I'm going to stand right here. You go. He's like probably looking at them like, <sighs> James and John, I know what you're doing. 
Yes. They walk up. We want you to do something for us. And then God says to them, what do you want? Actually, we see throughout the Bible that there are many times where Jesus approaches someone. Even afterwards in this passage, Jesus comes before two blind men. And they say, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus says to them, what do you want me to do for you? See, many of us have grown up with this mentality that God doesn't care about our wants. He doesn't care about our desires, our dreams. He doesn't care about that. As soon as you become a Christian, you need to just lay that down. He doesn't care. No, but Jesus asked them, what do you want? I ask you today, what do you want from God? What do you want? Jesus himself said in Matthew 7, he said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be open. How much more your father who is in heaven gives good things to those who ask. You know, when we talk about faithfulness and servanthood, so many of us check out. And the reason we check out is because we've been taught that God doesn't care about your dreams and God doesn't care about your desires and God doesn't care about that at all. So we say, God, what's the point in me taking your path and being faithful? Because you don't care about me. You want me to serve? I don't want to do that. You want me to be faithful? I don't want to do that. I want to do my own thing because God, you don't care about what I want. And so we, we miss the, the first step in being faithful. And it's because we don't recognize that God actually cares about our wants. That's the first step. See, if you don't get this first step, you'll, you'll go somewhere else to try and get your wants and needs met. But Jesus knows that. So he says, hey, okay. James and John's mom, what do they want? What do you want? And she comes with a very interesting request. She said to them, say that these two sons of mine are to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. In Marcus, they say, Jesus, we want to sit at your right hand and at your left in your glory. And I love the fact that after they say this, Jesus doesn't rebuke them. They come before God and they say, God, we want greatness. God, we want to be at the top. We want to sit with you in your glory. I'm telling you, there's no top spot like sitting next to Jesus in his glory. I'm telling you, you can ask for anything else under that because, you know, if he's going to give you that, then how much more anything else? And God doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't say, what? whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. Don't you know this? My glory. These are my seats. I own these seats. You cannot sit up here with me. How dare you want to be in my glory? You know, so many times God's put dreams inside of our heart. God, I want to stand on a stage in front of thousands and I want to sing and I want to dance and I want to entertain thousands. And then we go in the church and think, oh, well, that must mean that dream has to die. I got to become a missionary. Why do we always say missionary to Africa? Like, (laughs) what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with being a missionary. A missionary, they they get so much glory in the age to come. But we assume that our desires and the dreams that God's given us for greatness are bad. 
God, I want to become an actor or an actress, and I want to be in many different movies as a Christian, standing strong, and I want to do that, God. And we think God looks at that and says, how dare you? That is so fleshly. What is wrong with you? Just go sit in a corner and read your Bible and hope to become a pastor. God, I want to become a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, God. God, we want to be great. God, we want to live in greatness. And the funny thing is, is Jesus never rebukes them. Actually, the only people that rebuke them are the other disciples. It's funny, when a person actually believes for greatness, the people who hate on them are the people who are mad because they're afraid to ask. Like when David walks up and he hears, oh, snap, if I kill Goliath, oh, snap, I get her. Okay. All right. Shoot. Let me get these stones real quick. I don't even know. Who are the ones who spoke down to him? Who are the ones that were angry with him? His brothers. When Joseph had a dream and he, he speaks out the dreams and desires that were in his heart, the ones that hated on him were his brothers. Because they didn't have the gall to dream for themselves, so they got mad at Joseph. The brothers, they were afraid of Goliath. They didn't have the gall to actually believe that God could use them, so they hated on the one who actually had the dreams. What do you want? See, in the church today, so many believers are pulling one another down. Because we don't understand that God actually wants for you to live and greatness. And not just in the age to come. Now. Romans says that the all creation is yearning for the sons of God to be revealed. That's you. Greatness. They don't. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't look down at them and say, how dare you dream that big? You know, we we get mad at, at believers who who actually dream like that. And we say, oh, how dare how dare you think that? How dare you want to be that as if God is sitting up in heaven in his throne like, oh, snap, if you become that great, I'm going to be intimidated. Oh, if you ask for that. Oh, no. If you ask to be a steward over millions. Oh, I can't. I don't know because money is evil. No, the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money. Money is a vessel and tool for God's kingdom purposes when it's used in the right way. Oh, I want to go into the entertainment mountain. Oh, I can't let you do that. If you become that great. No, God's like, you know what? I'm going to raise you up because through that you're going to impact millions. And you're going to direct them back to me. Greatness. Greatness. In your life. You want to be great? What do you want? I never hear a child say that, that they don't ever want to be great. I know many of you are, are teachers. And you ask your kids, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Somehow we still end up asking each other that question like in our 20s. <laughs> What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, next year, 
You know, you ne- if you hear a kid say, you know what, I don't want to do anything. I want to be ordinary. The first thing you assume is that that child is being abused. But so many sons and daughters in the body of Christ, they don't dream. And you know why? It's because they're being abused. Been beat down with religion. But God, he desires greatness. In fact, he desires greatness for you more than you desire it for yourself. And I'll prove it to you. Let's keep going. James and John, they say this to him. You know what? Through their mother. But we'll say James and John. They say this to him. You know what, Jesus? We want to sit in your glory on the left and the right side in your kingdom. And Jesus doesn't rebuke them. But what he says to them, he says, whoa, you don't know what you're asking. You don't. You're asking me for greatness and I'm not mad at that. But you don't know what you're really asking. Are you able to drink the cup? That I drink. Are you able to be baptized in the baptism that I undergo? And we understand that Jesus, obviously he had talked about it three times before. Jesus was talking about his death. He was talking about the rejection. He was talking about the pathway that he was going to have to take in order to be great. And I find it interesting that Jesus used the words cup in baptism. Because a cup holds a drink. And if you've ever drinking anything, drank, drunk. I don't know what the what proper, what is the teachers help me out? What is the past tense of drink? Drank, drank, drank. Oh snap. I thought that was just Southern bad English <laughs> this whole time. I drank that cup. Okay. I, if you've ever, so is it drinking? <laughs> okay. 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 Let's just continue. If you've ever picked up a cup and put it to your mouth with liquid in it and begin to use your mouth to take that liquid and put it in your body. Then you know that that you have to it it goes into your body and your body begins to digest it and it begins to take the nutrients out of it and begins to make it becomes either a part of you or you reject some of it. Right. Jesus is saying, oh, you want to be great. Are you willing to allow me to pour into your life and do things on the inside of you? Because in order for me to go to the cross, it's it's a cup I have to drink. It's something that has to happen from the inside out of me. Are you willing to be baptized in the baptism that I go that I have to go through? You know what baptism is? It's immersion. It's not just death, but it's immersion. In that time, they took them to the river. Rapids that you cannot control. And they dunked them in the rapids. He's saying, are you willing to be immersed? Are you willing to go into a situation where you have no control? Are you willing to be put and immersed all the way in? If you want greatness. Like many of us, you know, Jesus gives them this illustration. They understand exactly what he's saying. And they say, yep. For sure, I can do that right now. <laughs> Let's do it, you know. It's nothing, Jesus. It's nothing, of course. And Jesus speaks this, speaks this to them. And then all of a sudden he says, he begins to take their understanding of greatness and he turns it on its head. He begins to take their understanding of greatness because their understanding of greatness was worldly. He says to them, he says, 
after, the, after all the, the rest of the disciples start hating, Jesus calls them to himself and he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. And their great ones exercise authority over them. Because in James and John's mind, greatness was about ascending to a place where no one could tell them what to do anymore. They could just tell other people what to do. You know, isn't that how many of our dreams are? I can't wait till I become that CEO. Nobody going to tell me nothing. I, I'm going to do what I want. I can't wait till I make that money because once I get to that amount of money, no one's going to be able to tell me what to do. I can do what I want. In fact, I can tell other people what to do. I can't wait till I become the pastor. I can't wait till I become the leader because once I become the leader, I do what I want. You ain't going to tell me what to do anymore, Pastor Marcus. I'm going to do what I want. And that's our understanding of greatness. I can't wait till I ascend to that place where I can do whatever it is I want to do. And no one else can tell me what to do. In fact, I can tell other people what to do. And Jesus says, that is not true greatness. No, instead, he says that greatness is servanthood. No, it it shall not be so among you because whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, they laid out how they saw things and Jesus started to lay out how he sees things. See, when we come before God with our dreams and our desires and what we want to do, God says, I don't know. You don't really know what you're asking. Because if you want to go there, if you want to be in that that person, if you want to ascend to that place, it's going to require servanthood and being faithful in the small things. Because the person who gets to that point, they are a servant to all. See, a true measure of greatness is not the number of people you can tell what to do, but it's the number of people whom you serve. And many of us, we don't like servanthood. We like to rule. But what we don't understand is that servanthood and being faithful in the small things takes so much more strength than ruling. Because A person who rules can control and make someone follow them. But a servant gets his followers because he has no control over them. He just loves them. You ever notice that? Many of us don't like to serve because that means we're not going to have all the control. I got to be faithful with that. I don't. But that's how Jesus does things. So when we come before God and we say, God, I want to. Do this. God, I want to do that. God, I'm going to go here. God, and we we pray those prayers. And God says, wait, do you know what you're asking? Do you know what you're asking? Because I am far more committed to your greatness than you are. And so if you want to be that person, if you want to live that kind of life and have that kind of impact, it's going to require some things. Pick up a mop. You want to be that person who stands on stage before thousands? Pick up a mop. The word servant in the Greek, you know what it means? It means a worker who tends to the master's house. When we say we're going to be a servant of God, when we come before God with our dreams, God says, serve my house. Pick up a mop. 
all right, God, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll pick up a mop for, for a week. You know what, God, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm going to do this. You want to be a, a praise leader? You want to be a worshiper that stands on stage? And you want to be a person who, who oversees movements? Go in the back. Be on tech team. Push a button. No, 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 I didn't say make a slide. Push a button. How long, God? I didn't say nothing like that. Push a button. A couple months roll by. God, this sucks. I'll tell you my story. When I became a believer, I got discipled, and then I started going through discipleship. And I remember I went to, I went to the states. I finished my degree, and then halfway through my last semester, God encounters me powerfully after this uh, this meeting, our Friday prayer meeting. And God's like, I'm just praying with God, and, and I can just sense God saying, "You know what, Marcus? I want more of you. I've got great things for you." And I'm like, "You know what, God? I'll I'll lead a small group." He's like, Marcus, come on now, more than that. Okay, okay, okay. I'll come out more often. It's good, right? Come on, Marcus, come on. I've got great things for you. All right. By this time, I'm kind of crying because I'm like, no. <laughs> no. All right, God. You want me to go into full-time ministry? Okay. You know what I thought? I thought, like, next day I'm going to be up on stage. You know, the pastor's preaching. Just give me that mic. So this is what the word of God says. He talked to me last night. I was, I started serving and I started leading a small group and he was like, you want, and God spoke to me about a ministry standing before thousands and many people getting uh, transformed all across the world. And I was like, come on, God, like, yeah, let's do this. I'm ready to go. I'm about to buy that plane ticket right now. Let's do this. He's like, no, 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 no. You misunderstand. I want you to lead a small group of these three guys. That's it. All right. Okay, cool. I, you know, I got you. I got you. Okay. So I lead this guy. It's powerful. And then all of a sudden, some of the leaders are like, you know what, Marcus? Hey, how about you teach a Bible study tonight? How about you, you know, you ever want to preach or something? How about you come a leader? Oh, yeah, sure. Come on. This is what God is saying. You know, I was like, yes, I'm stepping into my calling. Mm. <laughs> God's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Pick up your stuff. Go to Korea. I want you to go to Korea and serve under Christian Lee. I just want you to be under him. Just be, a, just be under him. Okay. Why? What do you mean, why? You got some pride in you, and you need to get it rooted out. Go serve under him. All right, cool. I go, and I remember the second Sunday, I was there worshiping, and I was worshiping, and I, could, and I heard my voice because, like, you know, the... the uh, the praise team, like the volume wasn't too loud. I could hear myself. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm singing. And I'm like, oh, snap. I sound kind of good. Oh, snap. man, My voice sounds a little anointed right now. You know, I, I definitely sound better than that guy. You know what? I'm going to sign up for worship team. Because, you know, I gotta, I'm supposed to be on stage anyways. <laughs> yeah, don't judge me because a lot of us think it in our hearts. I go up to Pastor Christian. I say, 
PC. I, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah, I'm going I'm to I'm be on worship team. He said, <laughs> you, <laughs> I mean, you can sing, but <laughs> no, go in the back and be on tech team. Push a button. I mean, he ain't heard me like us. He don't know my voice. I sound like Usher. I sound good. The church needs some more soul. Like, all right. Okay. 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 You know, I go in the back. Making slides. Just next slide. Next. Hey, hey, Marcus, that, that slide is not fast enough. Can't nobody read the words. Do it faster. do it faster for you right now. <laughs> a couple months passed, about six months passed, and, and the door opens for me to come intern pastor. I'm like, yes, the door is open. It's open. Yes. <laughs> you have set before me open doors that no man can shut. Yes. He's like, hey, okay, so it's your first day, huh? I want you to join service team now and serve under Megan Napier. Wait, I, okay, I at least could see the stage on tech team. Now I can't even see the stage. I'm not even in the room. And I'll tell, you, I'll tell you something. Being on tech team, you can ask Megan. She's one of the leaders here in our house. I was late all the time. After a while, I was late like every single week. You know why? Because I had all this pride inside of me. Service team? Like, I know how to use a mop. What are you trying to teach me how to use a mop? I know how to use a mop. So I just, you know, I just show up late. And Megan's like, hey, Marcus, you know, you need to show up on time, you know? <laughs> and Pastor Myungwa was also an intern pastor. She was put on service team with me. And so, but she would come up, she would come on time. And after a while, she was only on service team for six months. I was on service team like a, a year. I'm like, what is going on? She was only there for six months. Why am I here? I mop so much better than her. God's like, okay, well, okay, all right, well, check it out. We're doing this E101 church plant. I want you, I'm going to open up the door for you to be on the team. I'm like, yes, finally, finally, it's happened to me. <laughs> Seriously, I was like, mm. And like people were praying for me. They're getting all these prophetic words. Like, Marcus, I see you on a boat and you're leading people through the darkness. I see you on a train. A train represents ministry. And I see you leading. I was like, yes, yes. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to be a leader, right? Pastor <laughs> no, Pastor John Michael's going to be a leader. You're going to serve under him. <laughs> okay. We have a meeting. James like, you know, Marcus, I want you to run tech. I've already done that, God. <laughs> My tech proficiency is bar none. <laughs> and so it's when our tech room was right here. And a lot of times I would sit in that room by myself and make slides and do the podcast and just press a button. But it was crazy because the more and more I was in that room, I would have some of the most intimate times with God in that room. 
when the time came for me to actually step down from tech team, I, I didn't want to. A part of me was like, nah, that's like my sanctuary. That's where I meet God. But there were some moments during that time where I was thinking, you know what? I'm so much better than this. God, you have so many bigger things for me. What am I doing here? What are you doing here? What, what in the world are you doing right now in my life, God? And so many times when God calls us to pick up a mop or God calls us to be faithful in the smallest things, he calls us maybe just lead a small group. Maybe just be faithful to come on time. Maybe just be faithful to tithe. You want to be a a CEO of a multi-million dollar company? Tithe. Because if you can't control yourself enough to control your tithe, how are you going to control millions and millions of dollars? Tithe. You want to stand on stage before thousands? Pick up a mop. If you can't control a mop, how are you going to control yourself when you're immersed by all this debauchery? If you can't even control yourself here. But so many times we're like, God, why? God, why? What are you doing? What are you doing? I thought you gave me this call. I thought you gave me this dream. And God looks at us and says, you don't understand. I don't just want you to be great. I want you to live in a life of sustained greatness. God, what are you doing? God, I'm so bored. God, I don't want to serve. God, I don't want to put someone else's needs before my own. What about me? And God says, you don't understand. I'm trying to prepare you for the destiny that I put over your life. Because I care more about your greatness than you do. You want, me to, you want me to lead these people? You want me to be a small group leader? You want me to pick this up? You want me to serve your house? No, God, I got other things to do. I got better things to do. God, I need more time to do me. And he says, if you keep doing you, you're never going to get to where you need to be. So many CEOs, so many leaders nowadays, they always are falling left and right. And you know why? It's because they've not allowed God the time to, to change their inner workings, to change their inside so that they could drink the cup and ingest what God wants them to ingest. And that is, means changing their character. God, you want me to humble myself under this guy? You want me to do that? No. So, so many times we say yes to the call of God. Maybe you said yes to the call of God when you were a child. And then right after you said yes, stuff started going wrong. You said yes, and all of a sudden it seems like you are retreating, not advancing. You know, the minute David got anointed by Samuel and he was anointed to be king, all of a sudden he starts becoming the harp player for the spear thrower. I can imagine David was sitting there as Samuel was anointing him. I anoint you, David, king over Israel. I said, yes, I've been faithful. I've been faithful on this hilltop. It is my time. All of a sudden. (laughs) What you doing right now? God's like, you don't understand, David. As he's on the run, as Saul is trying to kill him, I'm sure there were times in David's heart where he was thinking, God, what are you doing right now? And God's saying, you know what? Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Just be faithful. Joseph, 
He says his dream. He's thinking, I'm going to be promoted. My mom and my dad are going to bow before me. How many people want to go before their parents and say that? Oh, you want me to wash the dishes, huh? Well, guess what God told me last night? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. And all y'all too. Y'all too. Y'all going to bow. That's what he told me. Now, all of a sudden, he's in a pit. He's chained up. He's in slavery. And he's probably thinking, God, why? What are you doing, God? I'm sure, I'm sure as he was in Potiphar's house and he was overseeing everything, even when he was in prison and he was overseeing things, I'm sure at times things got really boring. I'm sure things were not exciting and doors were opening up all the time. I'm sure things got really, really boring. But God said, David, Joseph, when you said yes, you didn't know what you were asking for because I care more about your greatness than you do. And what I'm doing now is I'm preparing you. I am working in you. I am trying my hardest to make sure that when you get to the place that I put for you as your destiny, you don't screw it up. So I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. See, the greatest are servants to all. And they embody true strength. See, servants don't get people to follow them because they exert control. A servant has zero control over the ones they serve. And for us, that scares us to death because we want control over our destiny. We want control over our lives. But God, he's like, listen. Where I'm trying to get you, it's going to require that you are our servant to a lot of people. And you're not going to be able to rule over them and control them. If you're going to represent me well, if you're going to represent me well, it can't look like that. It's got to look different. You've got to be a servant. And you know why God says that to us? It's not because he puts things on us that he himself is unwilling to do. God calls us to be faithful in the small things because he is faithful in the small things. God calls us to servanthood because he himself is a servant. See, Jesus said all these things to them, and I can imagine that in their hearts they were having trouble. I can imagine all, all 12 of them were listening and thinking, this is some baloney. This is not going to work. But he says, no, no, even the son of man, even me. I love when Jesus talks about himself, third person, so gangster. Even the son of man, even I, I came not to be served. I didn't come to exert control. I didn't come. No, no, no. I came to serve. You know, Jesus, I was thinking about this. Jesus was a carpenter. And that meant that Jesus, and I don't think Jesus stepped down from heaven with supernatural revelation of how to do carpentry. He didn't just walk into like a shop and grab some wood and just start making some stuff. No, that meant that as a youth, Jesus had to be an apprentice. Probably for about 15 years, Jesus did carpentry. He had to be an apprentice. He had to learn his craft from someone else. And so Jesus becomes an apprentice. 
And I'm sure along those lines, it got really, really boring. But the funny thing is, is Jesus spent all those years as a carpenter holding the very things that would lead to his destiny. He held planks of wood. But Jesus probably had no idea that holding those planks of wood is the very thing that was going to lead to his destiny. See, many of us, we don't want to be faithful in the small things. We have this misinterpretation of greatness, but he was holding the very things that later on he would be nailed to. Later on, he would have to endure. Later on, he would be nailed to. And and even right before, he says, you know what, Father, this is almost too much for me. Take this cup from me. It's too much to bear. But you know what? No, not, not my will. Your will be done. He says Jesus learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus himself learned obedience. That means that God the Father even was committed to Jesus' greatness more than Jesus was. That he, he made sure that his son would go through all the right events so that when he got to that place where he was nailed upon a cross, he would not seek to use his power to rule, but he would seek to use it to serve us all. And to be nailed there and say, you know what? Even as he's taking on the sin of the world, even as he's being rejected because he's carrying all of it to say, you know what? Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. So many of us, we get offended. We get offended by what God asks us to do. And we don't realize that that is the pathway to our greatness. That's the pathway to being in his glory and reflecting his glory on the earth. It's being faithful. Faithful in the small things. Faithful with your finances. That means tithing. It means giving generously. That means also budgeting. Being faithful. In the house of God. That means serving the people beside you. Our generation is meant to be that great generation. That ushers in the Lord's return. But it's not going to happen through a bunch of consumers. It will only happen through servants. Through those who are faithful in the small things. Let's pray. there are many of you in this room that this past season for you has been a tough one. You know, you've, you've been before God and you've just kind of been wondering, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Is this really where my life is headed? Am I going to be doing this forever? God, I don't want to do this. you know what God there's no doors there's no open doors it seems like these things and these promises that you've spoken to me they, they're not going to even come to pass why bother 
Why bother? I think there's some of you in this room that you made a commitment to the Lord at a young age. Even in, in, your, in your teens. It was at a night, maybe even at a retreat. Where God called you. He called you. And even as a young person, as a youth, you got up and you said, you know what, God? Yes. That's what I'm going to do. That's the life I want to live. But then it was like one thing after another. It seems like you, nothing's, get, nothing's going anywhere. And so you just kind of buried that dream. You said, you know what? I don't even think that was God anyways. That, that time I went up to the altar, that was nothing anyways. That dream that I had as a kid, that's nothing anyways. That, God, what are you doing? In those moments, the temptation is to take things into our own hands. Maybe you've had a dream for a family. God's spoken to you clear words about how your family is going to be blessed. How it's going to be different. It's going to set a new standard. But it's just like, God, you know what? I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. God's looking at you right now and he's saying, you don't understand. I'm going to take you there, but I want you to be able to prosper when you get there. I'm going to take you there. Don't let those dreams die. I'm going to take you there, but I want you to prosper when you get there. And so you got to go through this. you got to be faithful. So, yeah, but I feel there's some people that you just kind of felt tired. You felt hopeless. You felt like those dreams are dead. That's not true. God's just, he's just saying, don't give up be faithful so if that's you I want you to just stand up if you've been feeling that way you've been feeling like you know what I'm tired of this you've been feeling like what's the point I want you to stand up I just want to pray for you